0: last week, but everyone is born with a natural and deep desire to know what love is and to be loved, to experience love. No matter who they are, no matter what family they came from, no matter what continent they live on, every human being is born with this natural desire to know what love is and to feel loved and celebrated and appreciated. And your foreigner expressed this desire well in their hit song, I Want to Know What Love Is. Some of you guys might know that song is back from... 1984 a couple of years ago and back in the 80, 80s were great they had great music in the 80s you know there's a lot of young people that still are young people today that still like 80s music better than the stuff that's out today but but even today this song's still very popular i saw this uh, music video for i wanna know what love is was posted just january of last year 2020 and it's already got over 121 million views so it's Still a popular song, and I actually want to listen to it, just a, a bit of it. You just listen to the song, and you know it. Some of you don't get out your lighters, and uh, today we don't, we don't have a house fire or anything. But it is one of those kind of a songs everyone has a lighter and go that. But go ahead and play the first part of that song will you. I'll, I'll tell you when to stop it. Gonna have to mute these mics behind me, I think, or something. It will work in Jesus' name. Or I'll play it off my phone. I can tell his face who knows the song because like, they're like, In this mountain I must climb. There you go. It's better than a lighter. He's got his phone going. There you go. You know the chorus. It's good, right there, John right? Thank you. That's good. Yeah, thanks. So, great song. If you guys don't know it, younger ones, that is a great song. But, <laughs> but good lyrics. But some of you might not know the lyrics. So I'll just read some of these to you. It's, I've got to take a little time, a little time to think things over. I better read between the lines in case I need it when I'm older. Then he goes, boom, ah, boom, 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 boom. It's like, yeah, sir. But that's why he got paid the big bucks for that, right? But anyway. It's like, this mountain I must climb feels like a world upon my shoulders. Through the clouds I see love shine. Keeps me warm as life grows colder. So he's this love he's looking for, and it's like, but it's through the clouds. He's only seen it at a distance, and it's, but he's needing this love because his heart's getting colder. So then it goes, in my life there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. Can't stop now. I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. So basically, in a way, he's saying, I guess this is what my life's going to look like. I'm just going to stay in this lonely place. And then he starts singing out, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Hey, yeah. yeah. So a great song, uh, the lyrics I good, but it really expresses the heart of mankind to actually know what love is. You can tell someone all day I love you, but they're going to like show me. Show me. Prove it. Do it. Show me through your actions. Show it through your words. Show it through your... The way you look at me, the way you talk to me, the way you listen and stuff. You know, I remember listening to that song in the 80s, long before I met Holly, and I loved that song. I was like, wondering where this girl is for me and stuff. And some of you that are there waiting for that person to come, God knows where they are. He'll show you what real love is. But as we receive the real love of God, you'll be more complete than you will by just receiving the love from a man or a woman. Um, you know, because we have this need and desire, but it is only going to be filled through God. So I want to show you today what love really looks like. TV tries to portray what love looks like. Movies try to portray what love looks like. And those things are the furthest things from love as you could possibly get. It's not love is about giving. If there's no giving in your love, you're not loving. Love is about giving, hundred percent giving. It's in the world's movies and TV is all about taking what I can take, what I can take. I'm going to take from them. I'm going to take this from them. I'm going to take that from them. I'm going to take them, use them for their relationships, use them for their, make me popular in school, use them so I'll be in the in crowd. Use them, use them, use them. That is not love. That's insecure lust, and it's, and it's selfishness. I want to show you today what love really is. First John 4, 16 says that God is love. It doesn't say that God has love. It doesn't say that he possesses love. It says that he is love. So if people want to really know what love is, they have to know God. Because that's the only way to know what real love is, is by knowing God. We can search the whole world over, but we will never really know what love is without knowing God. You might have a date, you might have a, you might have a boyfriend, you might have a girlfriend, you might have a romantic evening or something with somebody, but you're not going to really know the love of God that will truly satisfy the longings and the desires of your heart without knowing Him. Without knowing Him, for God is love. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8, he tells us what love is and what love is not. And uh, I don't know if you have that on there or not, but you don't need it on there. I'm just going to read these in, in partial form. But love is patient, and they're not in order either. So, so it would be very difficult for you to have them on the screen <laughs> this part. But love is patient, and love is kind. It says that love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, and love always perseveres. That's what love looks like. I heard Chris Foundon say it this week he was being a little impatient with his grandkids. And uh, he was like, God, I need more patience. I need more patience for my grandkids. They're getting on my nerves or something like this one particular grandkid was. And uh, God's like, no, you don't need more patience. You need more love. Patience is just an attribute of love. I thought, man, that's really good. How many times we pray for more patience? We don't need more. You need more love. If we love them, we're going to be more patient with them. If we love them, we're going to be more kind to them. And if we're not there yet, when you receive the love of God in our hearts towards ourselves, we'll have something to give away to somebody else. Because we cannot give away something we haven't received. You have to receive it first to give it away. But it also says love does not boast. Love does not delight in evil. Love is not proud. It's not what you see on TV, what you see on Disney, what you see on these shows. It's, it couldn't be further from what real love looks like. Uh, and our culture is growing up love-deprived. Because and they have no idea. Because they're looking at these models on TV. This is what it looks like. You have to be carried off the football field. uh, The cheerleader, star cheerleader, has to carry off the the star football player off the field on the final day of your senior year. And that's what love looks like. No, it isn't. That's what pregnancy looks like. (laughs) I'm just gonna say. I mean, that's not love. That's not love. I mean, how many know that story? Right? Love's not proud. Love does not dishonor other people. Love is not selfish or self-centered. Love is not easily angered, and love keeps no records of wrongs. So guys, if you have a little scratch book in your mind, a little notebook in your mind of things your spouse or somebody has done to you, you're keeping this record of wrong, guess what? You're not in love. You say, I'm in love with you. Are you really? Let's do it God's way. Throw away your book. Stop keeping track of who wronged who more and who apologized first and who apologized second last time. It's it's now your turn and you were wrong this time. Love keeps no records of that stuff. That stuff's got to be wiped out of our mind. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love never fails. And so even when our spouse or closest friends or family don't give us the love that we feel we need at times, we're still obligated by God or Required by God, we're supposed to be able to give love away, whether we receive it from them all the time or we don't. Amen. You don't love because you don't love because they love you. He said, even the world does that. Right? Even the world can do that. Who can't love someone who loves them? But it's loving somebody who doesn't love you, that's the love of God. Think about how many millions of people he loves that don't love him at all. Right? God is love and love never fails. So you want to know what it love is? You want me to show you? I'll show you. Love is God, and God is love. I'm going to say it a few times so you can go ahead and laugh. I don't. <laughs> that's okay. But love is God, and God is love. So know about God. God doesn't boast. When you go through something difficult, he's not like, ah, "This will teach him." No, he has doesn't have that thought. It's wicked, perverse teachings of men that come up with these doctrines and think that God's punishing you by doing something evil to you. It's not God. He doesn't boast. God does not delight in evil. He doesn't delight in evil. Love doesn't, so God doesn't. God's not proud. And God does not dishonor other people. We do that to ourselves, don't we? He gave us the warning. Humble yourself, you'll be exalted, but if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. I'm not doing it to you, you're going to do it to yourself, right? Uh, God is not selfish. God is not easily angered. And God keeps no records of wrongs. Did you know that? We get these stories that we're going to get to heaven. There's going to be these books we're going to see. And there are going to be all our good deeds over here and our bad deeds over here. And I'm going to think, you know what? My bad deeds are under the blood. They're, those books have been deleted. They've already went through the shredder. I mean, they're not, I'm going to have some good stuff over here, but there's not going to be a section over there. Amen? There's no section for you either. Because love keeps no records of your wrongs. God keeps no records of your wrongs. For His born again children that have received Christ, received the payment for the penalty of their sin. There is no record of your wrongs anymore. It's gone. Stop looking for it. Stop remembering your shameful youth or whatever it is and let it go in Jesus' name and receive the love of God. Because you need to receive it more than you already have because you have more than you need to give away. In the time we're in right now, the season we're in, there's love that we have to receive from God that we need to give away. Because there's a world growing up around us that do not know what love is. And we need to show them. Amen? So God is patient and kind. He rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always protects. Come on, somebody. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. And God never fails. Amen? So guys, God is love, and he loves you. So again, you can search the whole world over looking for love. In all the wrong places. I got some country <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> but anyway, I can't remember where that one's from, but anyway. But uh, it'll only be, only be found in Christ. God is love, and, and, lo- and, he is, and God is love, and Jesus is God. Amen? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love gives. Love is not selfish. Love is not self-seeking. It's not self-centered. It's love isn't all about me and what they can do for me. Love is all about giving. It's about giving. And God so loved you, he gave the best thing he possibly could give his one and only son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Because he loves you. Not because he even likes you, he does like you too, but because he loves you. Like you know what? I want them back in my family. I got to pay this price, and he did it because he loves you. So, guys, God is love, and he loves you. He gave his son in exchange for you. First John four ten says, "This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins." You know, some people boast about how much they love God, and it's kind of this verse is kind of like talking about that. This is love, not that we love God. It's that he loved us. Don't be boasting about how much you love God. It's not going to do you any good. I'll show you that in a minute. But let's be boastful about how much God loves us. Because you know what that does? You're boasting on the goodness of God. You're not boasting about how good you are. You're really boasting about how good God is. So we should be able to say with confidence that God loves me. We should be able to say to each other, man, God loves me. Man, I, I, I'm sorry, I must be his favorite. I'm just telling you, he loves me. I'm th- he is crazy about me. He just thinks I'm awesome. If you ever get prophetic words sometimes, you will actually turn your face red with some of the stuff God will say to you about how much he loves you. It's amazing. I, we have so so. sometimes we're hearing God's voice, hearing God say things, and like, I can't repeat it back. Why not? It's going to sound prideful. I'm already, I'm pretty sure I already know what it is, but like, They've got this false belief system in there that they can't say anything good about themselves because that's pride. Well, guess what? You're made in the very image of God. I'm pretty sure you're made with excellence. I'm pretty pretty sure you should put some good stuff in there, <laughs> some stuff that's good, right? So but um, God God loves us, and he's gonna, you're going to hear sometimes, you're awesome. I remember one time someone heard, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and I couldn't receive it. And I'm like, why not? He, Jesus isn't the only son anymore. He's the firstborn of many brothers. Now there's many sons and daughters of God. He gave us the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And he said, I'm well pleased with you. So receive that, amen? But we have, I think it's time in this rain we have to start boasting, at least to ourselves, about how much God loves us. Amen? So God so loved us, he gave. And he loves you, he loves me. So 1 John 4, 16. Oh yeah, I want to tell you this too. We had a Sosa um, Wednesday night and uh, this guy really, he's not from around here, so don't try to figure out who it is, but he's, he's far away. And uh, anyway, suicidal, going through all kinds of really heartaches and pains, really, like, the maybe he helped write this song, I don't know, but, <laughs> but he went through just some rough stuff. But guess what? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit when the night. Started praying in tongues, first time in his life, and it was powerful. It's a weapon, and when you're, when you're battling against the stuff that he's battling with, he needed it. And praise God, God poured out His Spirit again, and this guy received, and it was, it was beautiful. I so just wanted to tell you guys that. So uh, 1 John 4, 16. It says, So we know and rely on the love God has for us. I'm going to pause here for a second. When you're in a relationship with somebody and there's love, you can bank on it. You can rely on it. You know they're going to be there. If they say they're going to be there a certain time. They're going to be there, unless something something you know comes up. But you know in their heart they're going to try to be there with everything they can. So in God's love for us, he wants you to know it, but he also wants you to believe it and rely on it. You can bank on it. I hear people say, uh, they got my back, they got my back. Well, guess what? God's got your back. And you can know it and rely on the love he has for you. This verse finishes off saying, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now, I know this is not the first time you guys have heard uh, that God loves you. But, you know, a lot of people really struggle with believing this. I've met people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, and you tell them that Jesus loves them, and they're like, I just don't know why. And and I understand that side of it. I mean, I get it. But but it takes faith to believe that God loves you when you see yourself in the mirror and you know what things you've done. So even those who have heard these truths their whole lives, they still struggle to believe that God loves them. And some of you may struggle with that, and not just not feel worthy of his love, not feel hard to believe that even, you might even struggle to believe that some of your closest family members or friends really love you. They might say it, but do they really love you? I know I really, I struggle with this some. When I was first married to Holly, she'd tell me, I love you, and deep down, there was something deep down, I just didn't believe it. And it wasn't that she treated me bad or wasn't treating me with loving kindness or anything. There was something about this, was like, this has to be too good to be true. My life has never been like this before. I had come to an expectation of this or, or something else. Like, this just can't be true. Like, this can't be good enough. I mean, how can somebody like this love somebody like me? And that's kind of what I had deep down in there I had to get out of me. And I felt like this was, again, too good to be true. It wasn't going to last. I knew I loved her, but, and, uh, but I did, couldn't really believe 100% that she really loved me, even though she didn't do anything to make me think otherwise. I, it was me. I just struggled with that. You know, many people feel that same way when it comes to God. They know that they love Him, but they really doubt or question at times if God really loves them. Is He really going to be with me this time? I know He was here. I know He was there. But this is a really big thing. This is a really important thing, like the other ones weren't important then, you know. but now it's like all of a sudden it's this new big thing, and now it's bigger than God. You know why it looks bigger than God? Because you're looking at it too much. Whatever we look at becomes really big. It's like we can block the moon with our finger. But it's, very, it's much bigger than our finger, isn't it? Whatever we look at, whatever we magnify, it becomes huge in our life. And we magnify the Lord, He becomes huge in our life, and we're going to have faith to walk through things you don't know. Amen? So uh, these people know at times that they love Him, but again, but they doubt or question at times if God loves them. They sing the song like we did today, but they just don't really fully believe that God loves them. And deep down in their hearts, in their hearts, they doubt it, and so they're not, just not sure if it's true because they're judging themselves, their own worth and their own value, based on their past behavior. Isn't it? Whether it's a human relationship or it's with God, we're judging ourselves based on, "But I've done this wrong, and I've done that wrong, or I already had a boyfriend, I already had a girlfriend, I was already married before, I was already this. We already we have all this list of things that try to disqualify us from love." It comes in our mind. It comes from the enemy. And we judge ourselves through these past mistakes. And guess what? That's a mistake. God does not judge you by your past mistakes. The Bible even says that he's not counting the world's sins against them, if you read it. Now, he will at the end of the day if they don't receive Christ. He's not counting men's sins against them and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? So, God is love. And we are not love. He loves us. He loves you whether you love Him or not, whether you receive His love for you or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you know and rely on it or not, He is going to love you. He's going to love you and love you and love you. But I tell you, it's better to receive it. Amen? And at some point, we're going to have to forgive ourselves, let go of the past, and just receive. So God, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. read that portion of Scripture, they said very rarely would someone die for a good man, but possibly for this person they might. But he said, God died for, sent Jesus to die for us when we were at our worst. And it wasn't based on you being good enough or me being good enough or those who would receive him or those who wouldn't. It was based on, I love the people I created and I want them to be with me forever. And so in order to redeem them back to myself, I'm going to send the Father is going to send Jesus to, to suffer for us, as us, so we can be reconciled back to the Father. God loves you because God is good, not your good. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Apostle John said in 1 John four sixteen, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have to know it, and we have to believe it, that God loves us. Again, many know this intellectually. You ask them if God loves you, they'll tell you yes. Then let them get in a jam, let's see what comes out of their mouth next. The pressure's on. The challenge is on. And all of a sudden, there's something else that's perking up there that they feel like saying. Uh, but they don't believe it deep down in their heart. There's a huge difference between knowing something in your heart and b- knowing something in your head and believing in your heart, isn't there? Faith is of the heart. So, imagine, I imagine many people probably struggle with this today. Uh, and I want to show you from the Bible how I believe the Apostle Peter struggled with this some. With some insecure love. And in comparing... How much God loves this person to how much he loves him. And he struggled with some of that. You know, we can struggle with that even in families. That God, that my mom loves this one more, my dad loves this one more, or whatever. And those type of things make us feel insecure and, and unsettled in our love, in our emotional well-being, even. But God loves you today individually for you. You could walk on water, you could heal the sick, you could raise the dead and he wouldn't love you one bit more than he does right now. You could have the biggest church on the planet, you could have more people saved than anyone who's ever lived, more than Reinhard Bonnke or anyone else, and all the missionaries and people put together. That you, God could use you like that, and he still won't love you one little bit more than he does right now. God is love. He doesn't turn it an on and off like we do. It isn't conditional like ours is. It doesn't have to be earned like ours does. He loves you right now just because he's good. He is love. He just can't turn it off. He doesn't have an off switch. Like we just like we just like just coming from his being, like all the time, just love, love for people, even the people you hate. God loves them. Not saying he necessarily loves everything that they do. He doesn't love everything that I do or you do, but he still loves them. Amen. I want to show you this about Peter in Matthew twenty six thirty one through thirty five. It says, and Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. I will never be made to stumble. You just hear the pride and arrogance just dripping off of that statement. I will, even if they all do, I never will stumble. Yeah, all right. Okay, uh, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. He would think by now the disciples had learned to believe the things that Jesus said. Okay, he even said, It is written, and he quoted uh, Zechariah 13, 7. It is written means it's a done deal. And Peter, is, he's not believing him. You got it wrong this time, Jesus. I know you've got it right with the water thing, the bread thing, and all these other things, the multiplication stuff, but you got it wrong this time. I will never stumble because of you. I will never fall away. I will never, even if I have to die, I will never do this. He, he was, it was written. It's it like God telling you you're going to do this. And you say, like, no, I won't. Right? And that's what he did there. So even if I'll stumble, I never will. And he said this in front of the other disciples. He you imagine being that bold? I love you more than all these. these. These bums over here, yeah, they might stumble. They might fall away. They don't love you as much as I do. But me, I'm never going to stumble. I, I love you more than anybody. And what is he doing there? He's boasting about how much he loves Jesus. And what happened to his life? Before the rooster crowed, he denied even knowing Jesus with cursing and swearing. Even to a little girl one time, he just said, I don't even know him. I never heard of him. So uh, boasting in how much... You love God, it won't take you too far. Amen? Pharisees can do that. Pharisees do that. Now let's look at the Apostle John in comparison. John 13, verse 21 through 25. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and, te- and testified, Verily, truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. So they had no clue who he was talking about. We think we're so discerning, but they they live with this guy for three years. They didn't know it was Judas. They had no clue. Uh, Verse 23. One of them, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? So I want you to notice a few things here. Where was John sitting? Right by Jesus, right? He's laying on his chest. He's leaning up against his shoulder. Peter's sitting somewhere else around the table. We don't know where he is, but he's somewhere there. And for some reason, Peter was afraid to ask Jesus this question. Why wouldn't you he say, hey, who is it? Hey, from wherever he was, who is it? Is it me? He, he knew it wasn't him. He believed it wasn't him. But he had to ask John to ask this question. Why, why is that? Why was he afraid? So a few days later, I'll show you another example. A few days later, after the resurrection, uh Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and they had breakfast together. And after this breakfast, him and Peter go for a walk. We'll pick this up in John twenty-one, fifteen through 17. So when they had eaten uh, breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? The very thing he was boasting about a few days before, right? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon... Son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Then, uh, verse 17, he said to him at the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, previously, Peter had boasted about how much he loved Jesus. He boasted, I will, I will never fall away. I will never do this. He, didn't, and he denied knowing him three times before morning. morning. Uh, now here he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he's walking. Jesus asked Peter if he loves him three different times. So he denied him three times, and Jesus asked him if he loves him three times. So basically, I feel like Jesus canceling out those three denials with three new approvals of yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. It was like a spiritual thing there, too. But notice, um, at the end, he tell, there's a little more humility in Peter's voice this time, though. He said, he didn't just say, yes, I do, I love you more than John, and, and all these guys. You no, know, he said, um, he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. A little more humility this time. So after this, they walk a little further, and Jesus goes on to tell Peter the way he's going to die. Imagine that conversation. Now, we, we read it, we just skip over but imagine you're just walking along, and Jesus, hey, by the way, when you're older... Men are going to take you somewhere you don't want to go with your hands and feet bound, and you're going to and then tell him how he's going to die. And so look at how he responds in chapter 21, 20 and through 22. So right after Jesus tells him this, verse 21, 20, uh, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the, at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So here, Peter and Jesus are on this beautiful walk by the Sea of Galilee. All of us would love to be in Peter's place, having this walk, this talk with Jesus, this beautiful moment. He tells him how he's going to die, and what is he looks behind him, like, what about him? How is he gonna die? What about him? And Jesus like, What about him? Why is why does it matter? Why does his life matter to you? Why does that matter? And I just see like this insecure love in Peter uh, and it's kind of like a brother and one brother and younger brother older brother wondering which one the parents love more what about him and he's like well, what about him if he lives forever what's that to you you got to follow me and you have to know that you're loved so um, we already saw in Scripture today that John was known as a disciple whom Jesus loved but did you know it's only written in the Gospel of John so Luke didn't say it about him. Mark didn't say that about him. Matthew didn't didn't describe him as a disciple whom Jesus loved. John described himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. And there's a powerful lesson there. Look at the contrast. Peter boasted about how much he loved. I love you more than all these guys. They'll all fall away. I never will. He boasted and he denied him three times before morning. Here, John's boasting about how much Jesus loves him. And guess who was at the crucifixion? Guess who was the one leaning beside Jesus? Guess who was the one laying on his chest? Who was the one that asked him? Who's the person going to deny you? Who's the person at the cross? Jesus said, here's your mother, now here's your son. It was John. Boasting about how much Jesus loved him brought him right up to the crucifixion, right to that place and even uh, became a new caregiver for uh, the mother, mother Mary. Mother Mary. <laughs> Mary. You know, the mother, you know, anyway, you know who she is. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, he became her caregiver and uh what I'm trying to say is, you boasting about how much you love Jesus is not going to get you anywhere but fall into the same kind of trap of pride that Peter fell into. But boasting about how much Jesus loves you will bring you right beside him, laying right on his chest. Read when he, at his weakest moment, his toughest moment, or even in the next day, whatever. John believed that Jesus loved him, probably more than any other apostle. You read his books. It's love, 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 love. He believed it. You know they tried to kill him. It's in uh, church history. They tried to kill him by boiling him in oil, and he sat there like it was a bubble bath, and like, mm-hmm. and he didn't die. He just sat there like, can you make this thing any hotter or what? Like he just sat like like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and finally he gets so fed up with, and they put him on an island, and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. I mean, he knew how much Jesus loved him. And that made a big difference in his life. I want to read to you John 4, uh, 16 through 19. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Look who's saying that. We know it and we rely on it. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how, we, this is how love is made complete among us. So we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. You have love for your neighbor, love towards yourself, love for your fellow man, because God loved you first. We would not have the ability of love without God being in the picture. Amen? So it says, this is how love is made complete among us. And how is that? By knowing and believing or relying on the love God has for us. This is how we know. That's the only way love is going to be completed in someone's life is by knowing and relying on how much God loves you. So I want to challenge us to make it part of our church family culture. I don't know how we do it, but we'll need to do it. Of Just boast about how much God loves us. Look what it did for John's life. It's boasting of the goodness of Jesus. It's not boasting how good you are. It's boasting of how amazing he is. It's kind of like I was saying how the insecurity of me when I first married Holly was like, how can someone like that love someone like me? And we feel that towards God. How can someone like him love someone like me? But he does. He does. He absolutely does. Amen? I want to finish by reading um, Ephesians 3. First, I want to go back and point out, it says, so you have confidence even on the day of judgment. If you can have confidence on the day of judgment, you've come to know the love of God. If there was ever a time to be nervous, it'd be right then like, oh geez, am I really saved? (laughs) Did I really? But he said, you can have confidence even on that day because you've come to know the love of God. Uh, Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of His love. Amen. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here it is again, knowing the love of Christ, is how we are filled with the fullness of God. It's knowing His love. It's receiving His love. Not just knowing about it in theory, but receiving it that God loves me. Amen? He loves you. You know what I believe is that good things happen to those who believe that God loves them doesn't mean we don't ever go through something bad, but he who began the good work, be faithful to complete it. And he's going to turn it around for our good. It's not good yet. It's going to turn around because he loves us. Behold hold fast those verses, like, you know what? It's not good now, but he said he will turn it around for our good. So as we know and rely on the love God has for us, if it's not going good, guess what you got to do? Know and rely on the love of God. Because that's how you're going to become complete in him, and that's how you receive the fullness of God in us, is by knowing that love. Amen? Now, many of us, have, or like the guy who wrote the song, and the, the foreigner song, and or, or struggle with insecure love. Guys, I, in this season, I just really feel like all of us need to become rooted and grounded in the love of God. We want to walk in signs, wonders, miracles. Guess what? Those things work by love. Faith works by love. We're going to know we're Christians by our love. And again, we can't give it away if we haven't received it. There has to be something different in the land of Goshen than there is in the land of Egypt. There has to be something different in the house of God than there is out there. There has to be something different. And that difference is we have to know the love of God. And as we know the love of God, well, guess what? We're going to give it away. The people that don't deserve it. We don't have to judge them, they're unworthy because of this, they're unworthy because of that, they don't vote for the right people, they don't go to the right church, they're not in my denomination, they don't know what gender they are, they don't know what this or what that is. Guess what, we're still some way where we're supposed to love people that we don't necessarily know or understand or agree with or whatever. We're called to love, not judge. It's not hard to know what the Bible says about some of those topics. I'm not saying that. There is still right and wrong, I'm not saying that. But we are called to love people. That's what you're supposed to be a a specialist in, is loving people, not a specialist in judging. Amen? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You want to see someone's life changed? Give them love. We uh, had kids come through Crossnore that were definitely love-deprived, and we start loving on them and encouraging them, giving them gifts and complimenting them and teaching them how to do their homework and doing stuff, and they just start coming alive, like like blossoming like a flower. And guess what? We will too, and even more so, as you know and believe and rely on the love God has for you. Amen. Have they had that baby yet? Not yet? Okay. Why don't you stand? I'm going to... That was a squirrel moment, but I did it on purpose. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray a blessing on you guys. It's squirrel moments from a cartoon. I can't even remember which one. Micah knows. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, was that Up? One of those Disney cartoons. Anyway, God, I pray you'd help us to be more conscious of your goodness, more conscious of the fact that you are love than of our past mistakes. Of our worst moments, of our worst decisions, of our worst things we did or said, they would be more conscious of how good you are and how much you love us. They would go from glory to glory and be transformed as we know the love of God. God is love. You want to know what love is? I'll show you. God is love. And God loves you. He loves you so much He gave His one only Son so you can be saved. You can become a son, a daughter, and a friend of God. So God, I just bless uh, each one here today. And I pray for all and myself included that we would know and rely on and boast in how much you love us more than ever before in the season that we're in. Because this world needs to see what true love really looks like. Not love that rejects you at the first mistake, not love that throws you to the curb or uh, uses you for a season, throws you away, but love that knows no end. So God, I just pray your blessing on each one here. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. You are dismissed.